Hey listeners, Ginger here, and just wanted to drop a quick reminder that we have a wonderful merch store powered by Slaker Merch. You go to slakermerch.com slash collections slash ginger talks, you can find our wonderful merch. Whether you want stickers, a comfortable plush hoodie, or just a nice t-shirt, maybe says a little golden tan on there, make sure you go check out the merch store. Thank you so much for all of your unending support, and we appreciate you. Now go get your merch. Confuse your friends and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Ginger Talks Podcast with Ginger Snap 67 and Druid Knowledge. And now, here's Ginger. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ginger Talks Podcast. My name is Ginger Snaps, and joining me, as always, you know him, you love him, Druid Knowledge. Druid, how you doing, buddy? Oh, the weather outside is frightful, and the fire is so delightful. But if there's no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Here we are. That that Uh, begs me to ask, is it snowing where you're at currently? No, it is not. You know, it's, it's kind of in that place where it's maybe threatening to do so but knowing my fucking luck it's not going to happen when i'm at work so no snow days for the druid rip yeah yeah and you know when you're in the teaching profession people that are also in that space will know that you just live for that fucking day where you can just have a moment of space away Uh from oh those fuckwits yeah (sighs) Yeah. Well, uh, given Druid's wonderful uh, hello, which I I was hoping we would get regaled with a carol. I was so I was ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it's maybe it's a, like I'm forcing it on my part, but this year the festive spirit's been with me in a way maybe it's not been before. So the Aww. old this old dog's like having a bit of a, a Scrooge moment where I'm learning to embrace those things. I'm learning to embrace that, that kind of way of being. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which is nice because I guess this is like the first year I've not lived with like mama and papa Druid and they are a couple of Scrooges and Mrs. Knowledge has done wonders for the, for the festive elements of my spirit. Which is just fantastic. No. Maybe this is like, yo, know, maybe my cynical takes are like no longer like going to be as hard hitting as sharp. Which, yeah. you know, um, hey, I'm ready for that. Like, I'm here to give people advice. I'm here to be a shoulders to cry on. That's who I want to be from now on. No. Yeah, how, are you, I... how are you feeling right now? Well, it's been unseasonably warm here. Um, it's the, at the the day that we recorded this. It was fifty five degrees Fahrenheit, or just shy of thirteen Celsius. So, like, I wore like a baseball tee and some jeans, and didn't take a coat to work today. Mm. And like. 
so it's it's quote unseasonably warm, but it feels like our winters where I'm at are starting later and later and going on till later and later. So like I'm sure by by Christmas I'm gonna be like fucking snow needs to fuck off. I'm tired of driving in it. But yeah, that's you know that's interesting because we did we just don't get it like that. Mm. So, um, and this is, you know, I've had a long-standing theory for some time now that the British Empire stood tall for so long because we live in a part of the world in which there are absolutely no extreme weather conditions. So there's no fucking earthquakes, there's no hurricanes, there's no, there's nothing to like fucking break your shack down. Mm-hmm. Instead, we were able to um, build uh, a self-important um, system of control that we were then, with our technology that wasn't blustered over by harsh winds and ice and snow, we were able to, and or or too harsh a heat to, in which like would mar our working. We were then able to use that technology to then be the biggest fuckwits on the planet. but you know um anyone that's listening right now that you know let's let's kind of do this as like a formal apology i'm not the consulate but you know uh listeners of the podcast know will know you know something of a voice of a generation over (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and the thing is, like, I am ever constantly like just a giant fucking Grinch. I I'm not a big fan of the holidays. Like, they're they're not my my cup of tea. Like here in the states, Thanksgiving is a big deal for everybody. I tore down and rearranged my entire setup, my bedroom, deep cleaned everything. Like, I. I didn't have some fancy pants swanky meal. In fact, I think I made myself macaroni and cheese and some form of protein. I don't even know. I might have made taco mac and cheese. Like I yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't um I usually stream on Christmas Day because I'm usually charity fundraising. Um and right. so like I stream on Christmas Day and I'm like, oh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. Did you have a good time? Like, I'm happy when my viewers have had a good time with their family and their friends. Okay. But, yeah. But like, like, that's not there for you, right? Yeah. But so, that, that, that's nice, though, because, you know, if we look at people historically that have been that way, like, usually the misery seeps in where, you know, people... St- and and I was like this maybe for a little while where, you know, you look at people that are having a good time in a in a festive sense and you kind of look down on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like maybe the prevailing attitude of people that don't celebrate these things, you know, that they, that they kind of had, you know, maybe because they're just not having a good time like everyone else is, that there's a bitterness that comes with that, but you don't have that. So that's, you know. I I try really hard. Because, like, the bitterness does then overpower, like, 
you know, any gifts, big or small, that I do receive. Or, like, it taints that, like, charitable spirit that I have. And I know so many people who the holidays are hard for them as well because they're around their family. So if I can be an escape where it's like, yeah, no, the holidays can kind of suck. But you know what? We're going to try to have some fun together. Like. It's that perspective for me that just like. It's what takes the bitterness away because I used to be fucking bitter about fucking hate Christmas. I fuck. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm coming from the same direction there. And then like what I found is that as as I came to like kind of shed that bitterness, like and kind of coming to appreciate that you can get involved in what that means for so many people and you know, I'm not all the way there yet or anything like that, but you know it's the lesson that Scrooge learns in a Christmas carol. Right. right is that you know uh and you know i'm referring pretty much exclusively to the muppets version which is the <laughs> ultimate version of that story That's... and uh, <laughs> the, the puppet that represents the ghost of christmas present uh you know you'll hear him gay gayfully saying um it is the season of the heart and do you know what if 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 everyone were to actually get involved in what that idea symbolizes outside of all the biblical and religious bullshit, like for mm-hmm. one month of the year in a world as contentious as this and kind of put it aside, kind of how they do for music festivals. <laughs> right. <laughs> like because people definitely do that for music festivals. But um, if everyone just kind of bought in to this idea that like, hey, one month of the year, just don't be a dickhead. Right then, you know, that's a, that's a good thing, you know, and I've learned to kind of appreciate that over the years, get out of that mindset that, hey, you're, you're like somehow better than this, but like, it's just like, well, it's just people having a good fucking time. Oh, yeah. I've noticed in class, right, that the thing I'm saying more than anything else, and ironically, because we're running a podcast here, but, uh, I'm having to say to kids that are just starting high school, they just want to, like, fucking talk over me at any given opportunity to the point where I can't make it through a sentence. And I'm having to, like, kind of extol this virtue where I'm going, if you have a thought in your head, it's not necessarily, like, got to be said. And that's, Mm. like, where people are at now. Like, everything you think, and this is, like, a direct, like, causation of, of like social media i guess is that everyone thinks that they're the fucking main character uh, but yeah. like this this is christmas right where right. you being the main character and your family and friends being the main character is is fine but any time mm-hmm. any time outside of this i'm sorry i'm sending you to the gulag uh, <laughs> for the rest of the year that is a logic logic christmas <laughs> Yeah. You will le- you will learn to learn. <laughs> the gulag of logic Christmas. The, the, the gulag that is logic Christmas. You will learn. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to logic Christmas. Uh, yeah. 
Um, actually, Santa Sleigh runs on a in, intensive uh, engine cylinder program. <laughs> Dasha, Prancer, Dancer, Donna, Blitzer, and Rudolph. They're merely aesthetic. <laughs> They're there to create uh, a world of magic and wonder from something that's pure science and logic based. <laughs> yes. The synapses in the brain recover a sense of they they require a sense of fantasy to operate on uh, to to create kindness and sympathy. So we must <laughs> we must create the facsimile of magic in which people can reproduce a, a sense of willful enjoyment of the spirit of Scarecrow's Christmas. <laughs> Like Santa's like, Rudolph, will you? I ate my sleigh tonight. <laughs> yes, Santa. Only because the magnesium deposits in my nose allow my uh, allow it to shine out. And it's like, well, that's wonderful, Rudolph. Let's get through this mist and get going. And he's like, Santa, I'm not going to make Christmas next year. <laughs> oh. I'm sick. Oh no. There's so much magnesium in my fucking nose, Lord, you Christmas. And now it's time for an ad break. Hey, listeners, Ginger here. Uh, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, we've really made an effort to try to up the quality of the podcast in all forms. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you. And a special thank you to our wonderful patrons over at our Patreon. Um, if you'd like to support us and help us make even more improvements and make this podcast even better please consider go checking out our patreon patreon.com slash ginger talks uh, we have a couple of different tiers um, where you can get priority access for guest questions as well as hear episodes of little snaps which is our patreon exclusive where we take stuff that's been cut out of the episode and put it out on patreon just for you if you would like to hear the first episode of Little Snaps, you can actually listen to it for free exactly where you're listening to this podcast right now. So thank you so much. And uh, big thanks to our patrons. Without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. Well, I'm going to I'm going to do a fanciful segue that you're not prepared for. Um, <laughs> alternative holidays. I think you know where I'm going. <laughs> Oh, yes, so, yes, yes. So this Christmas special uh, of the Gender Talks podcast, we, um, Druid and I, sat down and we watched, unfortunately, independently, uh, four different Christmas specials of, like, sitcoms. And leaning into the alternative holidays, <laughs> <laughs> we both picked a, a couple of these. And we're going to start with Seinfeld because we watched the Festivus episode of Seinfeld. Yes, yes. And, and um, what um, I, I didn't really realize when they made this episode of television, like what it was going to supply for the culture. Dude. Because... <laughs> Because I, I, I've gone on to understand that like Festivus is something that people like legitimately now um, celebrate. 
Uh, yeah. It it's crazy the cultural phenomenons that come from these little like one-off things. Like <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I watched these after midnight. So to to refresh myself or like planning ahead, I took notes as I watched these episodes of these shows. I forgot how fast paced a 30 minute episode of a television show had to be. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, holy fuck. You know, this is the great. I think this episode show showcases a lot about what is great about Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. In in the, the there's so much shit going on, and it, you know none of it's good. No. Like, well, we should uh, give a a quick rundown of what the episode was about. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So. The episode begins like it begins like. By the way, also for for a Christmas special, I must say that I admire that they start with a Hanukkah party. Ah, uh, dude, and, I was so hyped for that. Yeah, yeah, and and what what Elaine is just like all she cares about is getting a free sandwich. Yeah, so she there was a dude that like came over and approached her and she gave him a fake phone number on her punch card yeah. for the terrible sub shop. Yes. Yeah. 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 So her entire <laughs> arc for the episode is trying to get this punch card back from this sub shop from this dude <laughs> and the antics along the way when she could have just said, no, I don't want to give you my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah and again like it's just like emblematic of what's so great about the show is just like how like the, the the main kind of four characters have no scruples whatsoever when no it comes to anything uh you know it, it's also i mean like let's go a little further so you've got uh i i absolutely love George's storyline in this episode. Dude, I for I forgot how much I like George rubbed me the wrong way. (laughs) That's what that's what's so great about George as a character. So for anyone that's not seen this, and um, full disclosure, like in case anyone wants to check this out, this episode's called the the uh, the strike. This is what my notes say. Yes. Episode nine of season ten. So this is like near the end of the run of the mm-hmm. show. It's uh, season nine, episode ten. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I got that the wrong way around. Season nine. You're episode, good. It's still, it's near the end of the run of the show. I think it only ran for ten or eleven seasons total. Yeah. Like, you've got to give it to Seinfeld. Seinfeld uh, never dipped in quality as a show in the way a lot of sitcoms do. Right, and I think that's completely based on the fact that no one ever fucking and and you know I'm a, I'm about to say this like it's an original thought, but it, it's totally not. Like one of the mandates of the show is like no one learns anything. Like so they they had a rule like no hugs, no learning. Yeah, 
Uh, and this is like emblematic of George. George is always like the lowest common denominator <laughs> in, right. in the moment. And so in this episode, he doesn't want to buy gifts for his co-workers. So he he hands out cards for donations to the something called the Human Fund, which is, mm-hmm. is a charity that he's made up to his boss. And uh, <laughs> I absolutely love every moment that George is in this episode, by the way. Oh, it's so good. Uh, because we all know that one person that would do that to get out of spending money on their coworkers and their boss. Yeah, 100%. And, and this is like pure Larry David humor, I think, <laughs> in, in which, you know, to, to kind of shed light on that, like Larry David toes the line perfectly between being like the biggest asshole in the in the room, but also at the same time, the, there's an element to everything going on where you like can kind of relate to it. And I think that this, like, because at, at work we where there's kind of been the pangs that we're going to be doing a secret Santa this year. Ah. And in my head, I'm going like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> 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 but uh, like you, you think it for like a second, but you like you 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 like okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Janice the the lip balm. I'm gonna get her the body wash. You know, you know, you go <laughs> right. But like, there's an element to like this storyline from George where like I feel like I relate to it to a certain extent because I've done a couple of work secret Santas at this point in my life, and every time like I go in like buying the gifts for my like co-workers with the best of intentions and think like i'm gonna get this person like the best gift like we announced that we're doing one and i'll go like i'm gonna get whoever i get i'm gonna give them the best gift of all time they'll put a smile on their face and then i'll just like draw someone that i don't fucking know <laughs> and then i'll be like yeah. okay i guess it's scented candles again <laughs> yeah I I frequently like when I get drug into like secret Santa stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. They're getting a gift card. I don't care. They're yeah, getting a gift yeah. card of some kind. Like I, like, yeah, it's it's like yeah, best intentions going in, but like actually, like how much of my like day can I like actually afford to spend on this? I'm like just mentally, my social battery's fucked. Well, because like secret Santa stuff. Nine out of ten times you get someone that you don't know, you don't like, or you have no idea what the fuck to give them. Like Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like so so George comes up with this like he 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 just like tells everyone in the office that he celebrates uh Festivus instead <laughs> of Christmas. Well so, the <laughs> the reason that came up is his boss was told that he needed to give a charitable donation somewhere and handed George a check for $20,000 for the human fund. (laughs) Yeah. And fantastic. He had to like, and George was like, okay, uh, takes the check. And like, Jerry's just like, you've got to give it back. And George is like, but what if I just start the charity? And Jerry's just like, no, you're an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Carry on, sorry. George's boss finds out, and that's when George is like, no, we celebrate Festivus. 
Yeah, yeah. Which, and you know, again, I'm gonna reiterate. I was, I was shocked um, when, when I was like, because I watched Seinfeld when I was much younger, and then when I kind of had a renewed interest, I looked into it, and I, you know, there are people that celebrate Christmas as Festivus every year to this day, and and quite what it is about this thing that people gravitate towards, I'm not not sure. Almost, I think. Because Festivus is not about giving gifts. Like, it's yeah, it's about airing your grievances and then, like, who's the best? Which appeals to competitive nature and everybody wanting to be shitty about, like, you know what? This is my problem with you, and you're just going to sit here and take it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I, I And and also at Seinfeld. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And there was a great thing that you you kind of touched on was that like Jerry takes the moral high ground with George. He's like, mm-hmm. you've got to give the money back. But just when you think Jerry's a good guy, like he he like fucks up in this episode as well. Like, yeah, he's, he's horrible to. He, so he meets a girl at a party, but the lighting isn't good. Mm-hmm. Like, he he <laughs> he he, he <laughs> like. He like real he realizes that he doesn't necessarily like find her attractive when he sees her in the in the light. Yeah. It's like yeah, I mean like this is it, right? Just when you think anyone's got the high ground in Seinfeld, like everyone's just like a shitty person. Mm. <laughs> well, and I in my notes, I literally have these two two notes back to back. Kramer is fucking weird. Meaning, I forgot how much he was just, like, in Jerry's apartment when he wasn't home. Oh, yeah. And, like, how much he just, like, barges in. And I was just like, oh, oh, I don't like that. So, I don't don't know if you know this, but, like, Kramer is actually based on a real human being. Ah. Ah. In the show, he's Cosmo Craner played by Michael Richards, but uh, he's actually based on a guy called Kenny Kramer who lived in the apartment opposite to Larry David who co-created the show with Jerry. Holy shit. He's like a real guy. And um, as far as I know, like the real Kramer to this day, like just makes his money uh, like from being the guy that Kramer is based on. So he'll do like, uh, bus tours with people wow. <laughs> in New York and, and kind of like look at the show locations, talk about how and, and as far as I know, like Kramer is basically uh, 100% is this guy, Kenny Kramer and he would just like turn up and like take Larry David's milk out of the fridge and shit Like, it's one thing to have like a friend that lives in your building who you trust to do that but always like knocks first before like sliding in your door like because i'm gonna be real with you if i don't have to wear pants i don't want to wear pants like yeah yeah and (laughs) but like there's something about kramer that is just so new york right right well and then i'm in your building right well and then my very next line in my notes which i think leads to or like it ties into all of that Kramer had a job question mark question mark. 
Yeah, yeah. So they, they've been on strike strike for 12 years. Is that right? Yeah. And and he gets <laughs> he gets fired at the end of the episode. Yeah. But he worked he worked at and, and now I will admit that I didn't rewatch this episode. That's fair. Uh, for because I've just I've watched Seinfeld so many times. <laughs> that I didn't actually rewatch this episode, but it's like a twelve-year strike, right? And he works at yeah. a, uh, like a bakery. He works at a bagel shop, and they yeah. went on strike. Yeah, and, and he gets a call that the strike is over, and he's the only one that goes in to get his job back. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and he. I don't remember the exact circumstances. Uh, he learned about Festivus, which we haven't fully touched on. What like we've kind of skirted around why it's so important in the episode, but he goes back on strike because the the bagel shop owner hires him back for the season, the the holiday season, and he wants Festivus off. And so he goes back on strike because the shop owner refuses to give it to him. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. It's flooding back, and <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so he 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 hears about the concept of this thing, and he's just like, "I can use that, so I don't have to like work." <laughs> yeah, there's. Oh, it's. I think it's because they're all going over to celebrate Festivus. Yeah. So it, it basically, as far as I remember, it kind of it, all of these like loose ends kind of bubble over to the fact that they have to then like put together <laughs> Festivus and like make what it is. Yeah. Uh, George's dad created Festivus because he hated Christmas holiday. Yeah. It's a fuck you to the the festive period, like in every way, right? Yeah. Um, and I must say, like uh, Jerry Stiller, uh, George's dad, like Ben Stiller's real dad in real life, is mm-hmm. uh, is just every he's fantastic. Real quick, uh, what do you rate this episode? Like how how uh. For me, it's eight out of nine Festivus bowls. Like, yeah, yeah, it's eight, <laughs> yeah. And it's not a perfect episode. Like, there are there are the Seinfeld episodes that are better than this, right? You can't, you can't deny the impact of this episode and the fact that something with such an impact comes so late in the show's run. Mm-hmm. Like the quality of the whole thing, um, you know, and. You know, right what you said. I mean like the aluminum pole. <laughs> like just the concept of that is hilarious. Like if we don't have a tree, we have like an aluminum pole. Right. <laughs> like like welcome to the gulag that is logic Christmas. Right. Well so you you rate it up there pretty high, but not the pinnacle of Seinfeld. No, no. So there there are better episodes out there than this one, a hundred percent like uh, you know, you have to go earlier in the show's run for, for that kind of quality, but I mean, as sitcom Christmas specials go, it's you've got to give it to them. They're doing something like, and and of course, like most people working on this show, 
like a Jewish. Mm-hmm. And like, so it's never going to be the most, but like, there's never, they never pander in Seinfeld. And this show, this episode just is, just showcases that because it, Festivus has become like the people around the world, like a symbol of secular Christmas. Right. Well, so given all of that, I'm going to shift to a different uh, Christmas show because we still got we still got three more. So I'm going to shift us to, I think, one of the odder ones on the list. Okay. For a specific reason. I think it's a classic and I think I'm probably going to make some people mad when when i talk about it uh friends now yeah we specific i specifically picked friends because of the late matthew perry um but we watched the one about uh what is what was it called phoebe's the one so the episode is is it the routine the episode is called uh no, not the one that I watched. The one that well, I watched. We've watched different ones. Oh, the one God. with Phoebe's dad. Uh, the one watched, with the routine. We've watched, we've watched ah! different, different episodes. Great. So it's great well, to find, find that out on air. Well, you know. So uh, let me give a, a quick TLDR of of the one that I watched because I actually have some very, I have some very specific points about it. Um, the one with Phoebe's dad. That one, um, uh, so Phoebe finds out that her dad is not the man who she was led to believe he was. Um, all the pictures she has of her dad are just the stock dude that comes in the photo frames. Um, and, uh, Monica and Rachel, instead of tipping like the mailman and the superintendent of the building and all the stuff with money, they've been giving them cookies and they're not, I mean, I mean, they're cookies that sure they're good, but it's not cash. And, uh, Joey and Chandler don't play a huge role besides being there for Phoebe. Um, and Ross is all about Rachel still. Um, but, Ross breaks the knob on the radiator, making it very hot in the apartment. So the girls' Christmas party, everybody's like, they come inside, they take off their coats and they take off their shirts and are in like their undershirts and like taking ice cubes and like instead of okay. uh, like hors d'oeuvres and drinks and stuff. But my big thing about it is. Phoebe doesn't really celebrate Christmas. Everybody else talks about going and buying Christmas presents and doing stuff. And Phoebe's entire thing is about finding out who her dad actually is. And like, as someone who spends the holidays alone, like that, that like search and want for family. Like I was like, huh? feelings Ooh, i feel this yikes um but like 
having friends around making it better and like giving you that spirit. I love it. Joey's optimism and sometimes just stupidity is always infectious. And every time he did something stupid or just like was on screen, I could like I was smiling. Um, Right, right. Because the the one I watched was uh, the routine. Because I, mm-hmm. I think the only the only stipulation you gave me was it has New Year in it as well, and that one. Has oh, because well. you had suggested the one with Phoebe's dad because that one was highly rated, and then I also found that they said that was my bad. Hi. Uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Hello, I it's my fault. I, so I noticed as well, like Joey, in the episode I watched. I don't know if you remember it, but like he. He he has the exact same energy, but he he's spending that the whole episode trying to sleep with Al McPherson. <laughs> and nice. I actually I, like I've got my like gripes with friends, but I actually enjoyed the episode I watched for, like quite a bit. Yeah, um, they, they they are like. I, I I don't know if it's like where this was in the run, but they were so dialed in to the characters in the episode that I watched. Yeah, that it was so believable. And and I, I must say, like Matt LeBlanc, who is a tentpole that we base this whole podcast around, it you know, it, it, he's he's fantastic as Joey. And I must say, uh, I really like uh, Ross in a way that I never liked before when I was watching. My episode. Yeah. I, Joey and Chandler, I think, are by far my favorite characters out of out of friends. Um Yeah, I, I, I think that's a bit of a given, right? Well it it's one of those things where they're just two really good friends where they have their issues, they go through their shit, but at the end of the day they still have this love for each other. And, you know, there's there's no weird or awkward thing about, like, them being as tight of friends as they are. Yeah, okay. Uh, I understand that. And, like, because them being there for Phoebe, like, they had Christmas shopping to go do and they missed it because they were with Phoebe when she couldn't get up the courage to go knock on her father's door on Christmas Eve. Right. Like, I mean, I know some people can't pick out a a single friend that would do that. And (laughs) Joey breaking the tension of saying, do you think he would mind if I went in and used his bathroom? And Phoebe didn't even have the, the courage to go past his front hedges. Like, <laughs> the simplicity of it. And the rest of their friends give them shit for giving them gas station Christmas presents when they were with Phoebe. They were doing a more important thing than buying a physical item. And, like, yeah. the excitement of Joey in that, like, end scene, just, ugh. He's that feel good friend that like he's always there, even if he's not 
the brightest bulb in the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's a, he's a, he's a really good character. I mean, like there's no there's no doubt, and and this is what I'm saying. Like everyone in Friends, like really embodies their role in a way that like so few comedies get right. And and as I say, like I've got my gripes with Friends. Mm-hmm. But like the episode, like in the <laughs> this is so weird that we're talking about separate episodes. But um, <laughs> in the episode that I watched, I mean, like it's you know the the and I I have no gripes in saying this now. The late great Matthew Perry. I mean, like he he is Chandler and David Schwimmer is Ross. Like yeah, uh, Lisa Kudrow is Phoebe. Like they they. They embody those roles, and and that gives that that show that jet like that level of like genuine edge. Yeah. That you like where I was like I was watching it. I was like, oh, okay, I kind of see what the fuss is about because yeah, they they're just so good at what they do. I mean, like Matthew Perry. Uh, the, the episode I watched the routine. Uh, there's the the kind of B plot is that Rachel. Uh, Phoebe and Chandler are trying to like go around it. Uh, Chandler and Monica's apartment looking for Christmas gifts that Monica's left. And Matthew Perry is clearly like ad libbing some lines where he's just like, Yeah, whatever, like, whatever's in the script, like, you don't know Chandler better than I do. And I think right. like, when a sitcom is in its stride, um that's what like drives it is when the cast know the like they've been doing this for like six seven years they're like they've not hit the point where they've had that jump in the shark episode right and they they're the, just like yeah we you know someone can come in and like direct this episode right now but like they're learning from me the whole way yeah, and I feel that confidence from the Friends cast, like when I was watching the routine. That being said, uh, the ho- the premise of the episode that I watched was that um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, Ross and Monica have had this dance routine since they were kids, and they <laughs> love the Dick Clark New Year's Eve show. Uh-huh. And they're desperately trying to get on camera the whole time. So they do this fucking like ridiculous dance routine. Uh and 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 to try and get like a spot on the camera. But like they basically refuse to film them. <laughs> and the funniest moments in the episode are when Ross and uh, Monica are getting into the producer's face like every time he's got a spare moment and they're like dancing towards him that's and, so <laughs> good oh i'm starting to remember it now yeah they're like they're like they're like boogieing towards him <laughs> and there's another great moment because like the whole episode like joey's trying to get with El- uh, elm at first and i can't remember her character's name i think it's janine maybe he's trying to like get with her during this episode but she gets paired with another guy and in the bathroom he meets the guy that she's been paired with and starts like he's he's in the bathroom with him and he starts right. throwing water at his uh, pants <laughs> and then like when the director's like going okay we're gonna give this guy and this lady a close-up he's like well he's wet his pants and <laughs> 
like it, it, it doesn't sound funny. Like in fact, like I can't believe the writers' room let it be okay. Uh, but right, it, it's like a testament to how good they are as actors in those roles. Is that Matt LeBlanc makes that premise that on paper would have looked like absolute shit, and he makes right. it gold just by through performance alone. Yeah, well, I I actually read something recently that Matthew Perry refused to do an entire like scene and they had to rewrite an episode because there's this whole underlying thing that everybody assumes that Chandler is gay. Oh, right. And they were going to have Chandler go to a gay bar and be the straight man in the gay bar and constantly be getting hit on. And he refused to do it, not because he has a problem with it, like on a like a oh my god all the gay people no it was just more of like you're making fun of a marginalized group yeah okay yeah i get that completely this is something like so we're we're looking at like three like primetime american sitcoms in this Mm -hmm. episode and all three deal with this in different ways but all three with this in completely like um like classy ways yeah because like seinfeld has the same thing where uh they kind of uh what was it jerry seinfeld didn't like the script and it it was basically the same premise and he added like every time they were mentioned that he was gay they would say not that there's anything wrong with that and that was the running gag of that episode was like not that anything's wrong with that Right. And uh, it, it apparently, uh, I, I actually watched a YouTube video on this that was like a tent pole for like gay communities in America because like no one was actually saying that. Yeah. Like, sorry to dial it back, but like. Well, and- but the thing is, is all of these sitcoms, with the exception of one, so all the American sitcoms include different things like Hanukkah. And, you know, a a family's alternative fucking Christmas in Festivus. And, you know, it's not cookie cutter, white picket fence bullshit. And, you know, while we're talking about sitcoms, I'm going to slide us over to the Frasier episode, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will side note and sidebar. Handmade Christmas gifts are perfectly valid, whether it's cookies or like <laughs> that random bullshit thing. They are just as fucking valid, especially when you're poor. I digress. Moving on, Fraser. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. Uh, no, it needed to be said. Um, so I, I, I looked at a bunch of lists ahead of like selecting this episode. That, and it Frasier did a bunch of Christmas episodes, mm-hmm. but when when that now I've I've seen this episode like many times. Mm-hmm. But when I was looking at the synopsis for it, I was like, "Well, the, there is absolutely when you when you look at what happens, 
uh, in this episode. So we're talking about high holidays. Again, this is very late in the run. Uh, in in fact, it, is this the final series of Frasier? If if it's not oh. the final, the penultimate series of Frasier. Um, we're we're nearing the end of the run. Frasier's running out of steam in a big way at this point, but. When I was looking at the synopsis of like, the greatest Frasier Christmas specials, I was just like, "Well, we've got to we've got to talk about this one because it has two things in it. It has an accidental uh, ingestion of a pot brownie, and it's got <laughs> a big off phase." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, those two things are synonymous with everything I hold dear." Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like well there's there's actually we're well we're watching high holidays um so i'm trying to get the information if anyone wants to watch along what it's, season it is it is season 11 episode 11 yeah so we're we're coming to the end of frasier uh this this episode might be a last gasp before because you know, I said earlier, like, Seinfeld had that mantra of no hugs, no learning. But mm-hmm. uh, I think in many ways, Frasier dips after Niles and Daphne get together. Yeah. But, um, what? well, what did you think of this episode of Frasier? I, um, so I enjoyed it. Um, my thing with it like i i knew about the the goth reveal like i i i knew about that just from talking about what we were gonna do um and i was um like i enjoyed that but i forgot so much about fraser because it's been so long since i had seen fraser like i completely forgot that their dad was a cop and like i forgot uh how straight laced and boring niles was Um, (laughs) he's the best character he's he's he is the straight man in in the whole thing while still being so funny like but he's he's the quintessential like straight-laced dude from the late 90s early 2000s okay interesting take i wasn't expecting he's like at all to go that route well because he's when i think about like the stereotype of someone who had his job at that point in time he's exactly who i imagine right like he offers so much more i think like i think that's unfair he does that's on the surface level now you have to remember i was only able to watch this one episode last night yeah yeah and, and this is what i'm saying like the 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 quality of fraser like dips when niles gets with uh daphne like hugely like because when when the show starts he's such a like he's so strange and right they kind of mellow him out as they go because they're like well they they yeah, you can see the writers going, Well, fuck me, like not no one will ever really truly love 
Niles in his in his current like format. But, yeah. Um, uh, but it also has like an element of what is great about Niles, which is like that he, you know, he's essentially like, despite how smart he is, he's he's basically like a child. Right. <laughs> when he's like, oh, I, I, I guess, Frasier, I guess I missed that rebellious phase in my life. So uh, I, I decided to get some, what is it he says? He, I, I'm going to get high on Reefer. Yes, I believe uh, the, the, I think I wrote down the quote. Oh, I didn't. Uh, oh, yeah. High on Reefer uh, for so straight lace Niles. I'm dead. OMG. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what I wrote down at. Yeah, one thirty in the morning. Hear that being sampled on the start of like a Snoop Dogg song. Like, I'm going to get high on reefer <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, uh, and uh, what a great reveal is when, like he said, like because Martin says, like, wow, it's such, it's so funny. This is a great thing about Fraser is the in, the interplay between the dad and the kids because he's such like a like a man's man, and then the kid, uh, Fraser and Niles are like so like fey and and kind of affected yeah. and strange. And he's like, uh, yeah, I like I went into your closet when you were a teenager, and uh, I, I I was like hoping it was weed, but it turned right. out to be like potpourri. Yeah. Well, and like I was sitting there and I was watching that, and I was just like, oh man, my. Like, I jokingly call it my poor people experience, but like, my experience of, you know, now as an adult, like, yeah, I can sit and talk to my dad about pot and my mom about popping an edible yeah. to like help go to sleep. Like, <laughs> as an yeah. adult, you know, talking to my family about that kind of shit is not like the weirdest or most unusual thing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like I, me and Mama Druid have like smoked a few bowls together, like at this point. And, yeah, like it, it, it's so funny that, uh, that as a grown man, he like he's like, I, I'm going, I'm going to. The whole premise of the episode is that Niles is going to get stoned, and uh, Martin, the the father, isn't isn't gonna fucking like know, but like he's just gonna be high in his presence. Yeah, well, because man like in in his forties. Yeah, well, because the whole whole thing that brought it up was Frazier's son Freddie is there to visit for Christmas, and uh, when he comes in the door, he's like head to toe goth, chains, black clothes, gloves, makeup, whole whole thing, and he's going to see his friend Andy who is a girl and like they started talking about the rebellious phases that kids go through and niles didn't have one <laughs> yeah which which like it, there's so many great in fact like one of my favorite episodes of the show is when uh freddie is going uh he he's in the spelling bee and frazier and niles like didn't win the spelling bee, I think is what it is. And uh, they're like pushing for Freddie to win the spelling bee. And then they go out into the courtyard behind 
the spelling bee venue when things don't go quite out how they planned and they do like balls to the wall street spelling yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> and niles gives this great speech where, where he goes like like he's like two people just going out there without the accolades and they're going out there just to spell wouldn't that be the best celebration of them all? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, and this has those moments uh, every time they what what you realize is great about this is that it lampoons people that live to a certain standard uh, like absolutely phenomenally when Fred, when they go like oh like um, and imagine there's a side of camembert there how droll right um which what maybe that speaks to my experience growing up like my 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 dad's parents are like that mm. and so it really resonates with me whenever i watch it because like we're not from a rich family my my father's parents uh, uh, like what you'd call asset rich but like yeah it, that screams of people that are essentially dipping their toes in the water of a certain lifestyle right that they, they they can't necessarily afford and fraser does that very well um but i, I think there's 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 so many great when 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 freddie comes in and and fraser's just like oh i would hope why I, I would have hoped Lilith would have thought to mention this. Oh yeah. And and, and just like the, Martin just accepts him straight away as being a goth. He's like, oh Freddie, great to see you, but like, like oh God. <laughs> like Freddie. Freddie is dressing like a fruit loop right now. Oh yeah. And and again, testament to the show, like what what Fraser does better than any sitcom is its resolution because Frazier is a therapist and you see him being like a shitty therapist kind of throughout his day in his radio show or his romantic relationships but Frazier does this one thing really well that I think it does better than like any of the show of its type is that when it comes like Frazier resolves all its problems like uh he he manages to like get freddie on side like freddie's upset and he's like not sure how to deal with it uh like ha like freddie being a goth and then when it, freddie's upset frazier steps up and he's just like oh i'll i'll make you uh like you know this food i used to make you when you were a kid yeah and we'll work it out and we'll make it all right like frazier's really good at that Kind of like yeah. getting into a jam, Fraser therapizes his his fucking way through it. Yeah, I mean the the ending of the episode, like the the line that sticks out of, you know, I'll pour you a bowl of cereal and tell you yeah. a few stories. This has happened to you, so this has happened to you more than once. Yeah, I'll pour you a big bowl. Like yeah. I, that like that's shit that, like, I wish would have been, like, how that shit went for me. Like, when my mom is telling me stories about my dad's youth, I'm sitting in the passenger seat of the car after, like, losing my shit 
over something that happened and being so frustrated and pissed off about something or like a weird conversation about, you know, recreational drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You it, know. You know, uh, what we've not touched on is that the conceit of this episode is essentially that Niles tries to be rebellious against uh, Martin, their dad. Because, because he's called out on the fact that he wasn't rebellious as a kid and gets a hot brownie great reveal when Roz comes and delivers the oh so uh, good uh, yeah uh, there, there's your pat Niles and and then when he uh and then Martin sees the brownie in the foil and he's like he's got a hunger on eats it Oh, he slams that thing. Yeah, instead of Niles. And and great moment of the episode when Niles is at the counter and he asks for another brownie. And then the cops. Oh, the my cops, God. He walks, the cops are there and he walks away from the, the, the cops and he's like the hunchback of Notre Dame. Do, the contorted face and the like trying to hide everything while not looking suspicious, oh, making himself look more suspicious. I was dying. That that bit is that bit great. So like, funny. Uh, and and so like Niles thinks he's stoned the whole time and he's like really smug about it, but then Martin oh. arrives and he's actually is stoned. And and there's another there's there's another episode of the there's another element of this episode that we've not touched on in that Frasier is trying to like get with this like French woman who's doing a uh, like uh like an I guess it's like a tourism ad or something. Yeah. And he thinks he's gonna be the main character like selling Seattle to people on TV. And uh she just loves Eddie the dog and they basically use his voice and create a CGI dog uh, that's like, you want to go for a walk? Take a look it's, around Seattle. It's everything. It's Frazier's entire read with the dog and a, a, its mouth moving to Frazier's voice. Yeah. So, so it's, <sighs> it's funny when he puts the VHS tape in and sees that he doesn't feature in the episode at all. But then they bring it back when Martin oh. is stoned and he puts the tape in and sees Eddie talking on the screen. He's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the sec. I think that's the second time he talks about, man, that cold medicine is really getting to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like really good, really good. And uh, and it, there's a like what's he's like, is he? like uh, he thinks the dog is talking to him after that. Uh, yeah. One one bugbear that I've got. I mean, like, come on. I mean, he doesn't play Stone that convincingly, but Mm-mm. you know, come on. He quite obviously has never even smelled it before. Wow. So. <laughs> um, well, and the thing. The, the part that cracked me up is shit that I see first time edible users do. And Niles is just like, 
I'm going to have a little bit more. And he unwraps the brownie and then just takes like pinches off the brownie. Yeah. Like. I know people who make edibles that are, you know, legal where they're at. And, you know, you can eat a full brownie and you're getting a a relatively reasonable dose. And I know people who are like, you eat the tiniest piece of this brownie and you will be fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, well, I've, I've had that, like, uh, like, on the way, on the way to, like, maybe the biggest concert I've ever played, like, we, we got a coach down, and we thought it was really funny that nobody knew on the bus that what we were eating for our, quote, unquote, lunch on the way down to London to play this gig was uh, actually pop brownies and we're laughing and i'm like i don't feel it (laughs) i ended up eating like a whole bunch of it and then the bus gets into london and i'm like seized to the chair oh i remember there's there's like two stories that i've got that that go this way because it was both at the same venue there's a burger king next door so you might remember the episode where I talked about the LSD incident. Yeah. Where I went into Burger King and I got to the front desk and I couldn't order. Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> it happens twice. It happened with the pot brownie as well. Oh, God. Same, same location. <laughs> um, it, it happened twice. Like, down in London, like two-hour bus journey down get out of the bus, like, everyone's talking about how hungry they are. Big queues, because it's in the centre of Camden, which is one of the busiest parts of London. Right. And then I get, I'm in, like, a queue for, like, 20 minutes, and I get to the end of it, and I just uh, talk to the guy at the desk. I look at them, and I just went, do you know what? Don't bother. I don't know what the fuck I want. But uh, you know, again, like great, great moment. The the therapizing at the end, where like Niles is like upset that he wasn't stoned the whole time, and it, the whole thing was not real. And then, and it was Fraser, his dad who was stoned. And then, and Fraser goes like he's like they kind of like talk about it as a failed endeavor, and like he he's not rebellious. And then Fraser goes. Well, you don't feel rebellious. Well, you did manage to get our cop father stoned. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that was that moment where I was just like, see, you can rebel in different ways. Like, I, I felt that, like, canned, like, pseudo lesson if you really wanted to look into it. Like, I fell into yeah. the sitcom trap. I was like, shit. <laughs> like, it's just Fraser's so good at that. I mean, like, yeah. But they do it several times, and they, you know, Fraser's really good at, at at kind of this kind of style of comedy that's almost slapstick comedy of errors, where Fraser's trying to like put together a party, but like he's like, I've got to make sure Dad's not here, but then like his dad is going to be there, and he's like trying to hide him. The whole night or something, but then yeah. when the whole thing is done, like Fraser will kind of like put together this whole speech that kind of ties the episode together in 
the the thing is like people in Frasier they do shit that's wrong, but they always cop to it. Yeah. So they they or anytime anyone does anything like that's like a little bit shitty in Frasier, and this is like something that's like quite good about it. They they're always like it. If anyone does anything that's like kind of morally reprehensible. Like they have this moment where they talk through it at the end, which I think like speaks to it a little bit. Frasier is the emotionally mature big brother of sitcoms. Yeah. Like yeah. you have the the same things like that every sitcom has, but the way that it does it, like it just <sighs> It doesn't let you, like, it holds you to a standard, almost. Yeah, yeah, I, a hundred percent. But like, it it's really good at like tearing that down ahead of time. Like, Frasier is like a selfish character. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all very selfish, except for like Martin the dad. Yeah, and and like. It, it's kind of making a comment, right, that people that, like, search for values in life, that they think it's material value, that actually that holds no water. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it reminded me, both Seinfeld and Frasier, like, it, it tugged on this, like, you should go back and rewatch these. Like yeah. friends didn't do that so much for me. Like there are certain episodes um, that I'm sure would do that. But like. Yeah. When, when you have 22 minutes of runtime and you have all of these characters that play a part in some way, shape or form, you've got a lot of stories to tell really quick. And like oh. Frasier does it in such a way that tickles my brain at this point in my life and i'm just like yeah all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i 100 percent get what you're saying there because there's like there's like this thing right with 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 seinfeld and fraser what like what friends is like almost like surface level in comparison i think yeah they have their moments yeah um, they do they do but there's Look, look, any sitcom that's been produced kind of before a certain point is going to have its problematic elements, and I'm not going to say that Seinfeld or Frasier doesn't have them. Right. But, but there's something a little less, like, uh, superficial going on with Seinfeld yeah. and it, it feels, for me, Friends is is the one that anybody will put on and have a good time. Seinfeld and Frasier. You can watch and enjoy on the surface level, but like there can be a deeper meaning and a deeper message in that. Yeah. And I I fucks with it. uh, Yeah. And and rewatching Frasier, I must say like it's got funnier over time as I've got older and kind of, understand what they're talking about a whole bunch more uh-huh I, like i watched a whole bunch like frazier was like the thing when i was a kid i used to love it but like 
actually like watching and knowing what the fuck they're talking about when they're talking about Beaujolais, and now I know it's a, a red wine right produced in France that is of a young vintage. I actually understand the jokes on a bunch. Yeah. But it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. So I I'm definitely going to find some time to probably revisit Fraser at some point. Yeah. The new um, season's okay, by the way, as well. Okay. So yeah. I, the first couple are a bit ropey, but as you get into the groove of it, yeah, it's very much the same. He's yeah. very good. He's very good in that role. Uh yeah. It's so um <sighs> Uh, I'm going to move us to the last one and I'm going to let you kind of spearhead this one because okay. this is the only episode of this I've ever seen. And right, right, right. It's definitely different than American uh, shows. So I'm, yeah, I'm going to let you lead the charge on this one. So the, 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 kind of final show that we're talking about this episode is Father Ted uh, uh, the episode's called A Christmassy Ted I think this was actually well I might be wrong in fact I do think I'm wrong I, I thought this was one of the last episodes that they did but uh, because Father Ted was meant to go on for longer than it did but the the guy that played Father Ted died of a heart attack. Oh. Like during its run. Oh. Um, and so they had to kind of stop it. In, in a way, I think Father Ted is a great comedy. It's a British comedy. It's set in Ireland. Well, it's not British. It's an Irish comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is how I sold it to you. It's singularly maybe the most Irish television show ever made. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and that's not just the fact that everyone's Irish. That's like, if anyone listening's ever been to Ireland, if anyone's from Ireland, uh, it, in fact, uh, those two kind of statutes of people, like, I don't need to like preach this to you. You probably already know this fact, but like, there's a state of mind in being Irish that I think that Father Ted fully encapsulates in that <laughs> Father Ted kind of showcases that things are just a like, like a little bit shitty. Yeah. In, in like a weird way, like things are never what they seem. And uh, so this episode, let's be honest about it. So this episode opens with Ed, like in a dream, yeah, uh, scenario, yeah, and, and this is a great thing about so Father Ted. For those that don't know, Father Ted is about three Catholic priests that live together. That, by the way, couldn't be more different if they tried. <laughs> so we've got, we've got Father yeah. Ted. Father Father Ted himself is hilarious because he's a Catholic priest that is like hugely ambitious and wants to be famous. Uh-huh. Father Dougal is hilarious because <sighs> he is like basically a four-year-old boy in a man's body. And then and then 
you've got Father Jack, who is an alcoholic that just sits on the couch and says, back off and drink. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it kind of skews what you believe about Catholic priests. It's I can't imagine the Catholic Church was too pleased with this show. I, mm, I mean, you, you're correct, I think. Um, a lot of the Catholic priests that I know are an amalgamation of the three of those men combined. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, you know, that's what's like, uh, if I were a Catholic priest, I would champion this show because actually what it does, I think, more than anything I've ever seen, because, you know, let's think about Catholic priests in uh, in media. Mm-hmm. We're thinking of the fucking Da Vinci Code, which with <laughs> in which Catholic priests are seen to be like conniving fucking uh, weird conspiracy bong fucking weirdos. Father Ted presents Catholic priests as actually being human beings, which is something that <laughs> apparently Catholic priests don't like being. <laughs> no, <laughs> very much. Um, and and that you know Ted's very ambitious. So the episode opens up. Ted is uh, winning an award. The the um, golden cleric is it? Yes. And then he gets immediately like awoken by Dougal, which who hilariously they share a bedroom with single yeah. bed. <laughs> single bed. I, <laughs> I always think that's funny. Um, because like they're, they're always there's several episodes where they're just in bed having a conversation and Ed always thinks he's like smarter than Dougal but he's like an idiot still and but yeah. Dougal is just like completely bereft of any thought whatsoever he's like oh so ah oh, so yes Ted oh so it's like that Ted mm-hmm. and, and um it I'll start by saying, like, if we're being honest, the the this episode of television is completely hanging on the conceit that there's a section at the near beginning in which they're they're going into a department store and accidentally end up in the lingerie section, and they're Catholic priests in their garb. And they're like, oh, well, we can't be seen here. And, and they, yeah, no, they, they pick up a gaggle of other priests yeah. trying to get out of there. And I put a note, tactical priests needs to be a game. Yes, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> stealth priests. <laughs> like, shell-shocked, like, war veteran, like, in the middle of combat, like, type of reactions from these priests, and I'm just, I, I'm dying. It, I, it's, it's so good. The bit in the department store is the oh. backbone of the episode, and and there's, they get, so they get to the lingerie section, and they're like, oh, dude, we can't be seen here. Mm. And, and then they find the other priests, and then the so the first two they find, they're just like, um, 
trying not to look creepy. Yeah. <laughs> While the other two look exceedingly creepy or like they are very, very gay. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> it's the biggest lingerie store in Ireland, as I understand. Yeah. And <laughs> But they're holding <laughs> garments in their hands at like yeah. Uh, like, I mean, do you go off? Like, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna ask what you got underneath all that, but like, <laughs> busted. <laughs> like, honestly, uh, so in many ways, that whole sequence is the episode when they keep picking up more priests. Yeah, and they get they get to the point where they're trying to get out, and they find the the they. they so they they're like stealthing around the lingerie section in a department store, and then they find the intercom, and there's loads of people shopping by the exit, and then they're like, "Oh, we need to find the most boring priest here to like, <laughs> to like put an announcement over the intercom," and he's like, "Yes, Father, I I believe I'm the most boring priest." That there is, a, like, and then there's one in the background that goes, "Father, were you looking for the most dramatic?" Pre-? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just the the archetypes of like kinds of people, and it was just it's so a, good. It's just it's just funny because they're priests, and again, mm. like you know, there's there's the the two that are creepy, but the rest of them are just like trying to get out unseen. Well, and then there's the one I believe he had a cane who like fell and made a commotion or a ruckus of oh, some I, kind. Yeah, and he's just like, "I'm only going to slow you down. Just leave me here. Just leave me here, Ted." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that just reminds. I'm only going to slow you down. You won't make it out. Yeah, it's like a war movie, right? <laughs> It is. And then they they get the boring priest. He's like, the star is about to close. (laughs) Please go to the counter with your purchases. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, (laughs) so funny. And as I say, like, that happens quite early on in the episode. And Mm -hmm. definitely, like, that, that bit is so iconic that. The rest of it doesn't live up to it. Yeah. For me, like, I was like, oh, the highlight of the episode came so early. Okay. Like, because there were great moments farther along in the episode, but that sequence was just so funny. Yeah, like, priests trying to, like, get, like, they, they, they end up like in a lingerie section and they're like stuck there because they don't want to be seen there because they're priests. Again, it's just like it, it, it just is humanizing like that group of people in a way that I don't I don't think anything else humanizes Catholic Catholic yeah. priests in the same way as this show. Because there there are so many great episodes. And I think because this is 55 minutes long, they decided to like do a little bit extra on it. I think it I actually, wondered. It, it, yeah, so usually it's about 20 minutes long. 
but actually I think it suffers from being a little bit longer, if I'm honest. I think so too. I honestly think they should have separated the whole Golden Cleric thing and and the the escape from the store and the the tea the tea maker. Oh yeah, Mrs. Doyle. Yeah, her uh, I I called it um oh god, what did I I write in my notes? Uh uh something about um prehistoric cure eggs <laughs> <laughs> so when when i watched this i was really aware of the fact that mrs doyle the tea maker she she's like a running gag through the show mm. in that she she's always like do you want a cup of tea father and they go like no, I'm all right. And she goes, go on, go on, go on. And she like basically forces them to have it. <laughs> and so there's like a moment in this where she's in the department store and someone's trying to uh, give her like a tea maker that makes tea for her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I don't think it'll work. Right. And it's like it's it's like the end of like a running gag that's been going on like like iconically for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I, it was. Like I, I was aware that there would be things like maybe a little bit lost in the translation there, but a like little, yeah. Uh, but so many great episodes of the show. Like, you, we watch this one because it's a Christmas special, but and it has that lingerie section. Mm-hmm. You can almost talk about this without going to the Golden Cleric at, at all, but uh, we, we probably should. But there's an there's an episode of Father Ted where you you know father jack the the kind of older drunken priest uh-huh there's an episode where um he's in a senior priest's uh, soccer team <laughs> and they think he's died <laughs> or he's got too drunk he's like dr- he's he's drank drain cleaner and oh they God. think he's dead and they they don't want to because ted's managing the soccer team and they don't want to lose they um <laughs> they put him into a mobility scooter with a remote control and get him to play the soccer game anyway uh, but it's like a senior priest soccer game and they they shoot in the show the whole game and everyone's like running at uh like 0.1 miles that is really funny like there's so many great episodes like there's there's also an episode with uh the milkman so the guy that delivers milk to everyone uh, on the island and he's called pat mustard and he's an (laughs) overweight like man in his mid 50s that is like sleeping with everyone on his milk run Oh my god! Uh, and all all these women are lo- that are like over the age of sixty think he's like a young buck, but he's like clearly a, like an overweight man in his <laughs> mid fifties, and they're like, "Ah, mustard! Ah, who? What a hack!" And uh, 
it, they, it's basically a, a uh, parody of speed because Pat Mustard's uh, milk cart that he drives around gets fitted with a uh, an explosive device. And it's up to Ted and Dougal to like drive it through the island. Oh my god! There's so many great episodes uh, uh, of this show, and that I, I don't feel that this one actually, after watching it, represents how great it actually is. But it it is still good. Like, uh, well, we'll go to the we'll go to part two. Yeah, so, I, the golden cleric. The. The part that I want to point out before we go too far f- until we uh, so we don't miss it. When Ted gets the call that he's getting the golden cleric. From okay. the bishops. So Ted is receiving the golden cleric because he led the mission to get the other fathers out of the lingerie section. He's being awarded the golden cleric for that uh, mission. Um, But he receives a call and the, I believe he's a bishop that he's talking to is, it feels like a a club. I mean, it just, it's a bunch of like what you imagine, like college age or like university aged uh, teenage boys doing, you know, drinking beer, playing drums and, you know, yes, yes. mucking around and shit. And it's just so funny. It's just because yeah. so, you know, if you know, you know. Like, the Catholic Church is fucked. Like they they never touch on the kind of uh, controversy, but like. Every Catholic priest that you meet in Father Ted is like super weird in some way. Yeah. Like yeah. As I say, like it humanizes them and, and what like like it's it's so funny because like you never see a priest depicted on television that has like ambition in the way Ted does because he it begins, he he like dreams that he's he's got an award and then he will do everything in his power to like get that like state of influence over people. Yeah. Well, and so his whole the whole lead up to him receiving the golden cleric. Um. Uh, he asks, "What's her name?" Um. You said her name, and Mrs. I. Did- Yes, I barely caught it in the show. Um, Mrs. Doyle says that he's not the best priest. And he goes through this whole existential crisis on the beach. And I'm watching this. And me living in the Midwest, I know that pretty much every year I'm going to have a white Christmas. And these people are within two days of Christmas. And he's walking along the beach in a light jacket. Yeah. And I'm yes, like, yeah. these motherfuckers. <laughs> but yeah, and the whole thing of when they come to give Father Ted his award, I, I wrote down typical Catholic gathering. 
goes on too long and everyone wants to leave or goes to sleep. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I realize how horrible that is, but I'm just like, fuck, dude. Like, again, I mean, it's, I, I, I look at it as being like, it's got, like, that's the Irish mindset. Like, the Irish are really good at, like, pointing out things that are, like, just, like, a bit crap. Yeah. Or, like, like, like the Irish, like, all just cut the shit on things, and this, this really, like, fucking does it. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole the there's a whole other big thing of this episode we haven't touched on to deal with the 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 golden cleric, and that's the. The secret agent plot by another. Oh god! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Steal it. (laughs) Yeah, like again. I mean, like, well, you explain your experience of that. So I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, so there's something to this that doesn't make sense because this this priest shows up. Claims he knows Ted, and Ted has no idea who the hell he is. So it's this whole sequence of Ted, like, faking like he knows what's going on. At, like, trying desperately to pull some information. And, uh, so this visiting father, he, like, he goes through this this like weird instance where he's like standing there naked well not naked he's in his underwear foot of father ted's bed and it's the most awkward sequence in the <laughs> yeah, whole thing yeah. like what, what is gonna... he says he, he says he's like he knew him at school uh yeah and, and uh... And, and and Mrs. Doyle is trying to work out who he is for like the whole, whole second yeah. half of the episode. Yeah. And like so then after Ted receives the golden cleric and he puts it in the case uh above the the creaky floorboard, you know, so that people can see it, but he could hear if somebody was coming to get it. <laughs> like yeah. this what, what? What's his name as well? Like Father oh. Father Todd uh, Unctious. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Tea maker oh. housekeeper is just rattling off all these different she, names she of just, all these fucking just, priests for just, hours. She just happens to get his name right as well. Like there's absolutely no way that she knows who the fuck he is. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's so funny. She, she's like going through every name that she can, and then she just goes like, and "It's like, it's like Father Jack Smith, Father," and then she just goes, "Todd Unctious." Yeah, he's like, and he's like, <laughs> "Yes." Yeah. And so then he, uh, in the middle of the night, he repels from the ceiling on wires. And is trying to steal it, but everybody keeps coming into the room and interrupting him. And 
And Dougal walks in, turns on the TV, and he's stuck on the fucking wires and just yes, turning. Yes. So Dougal can't see him, but if he turns around quick, he'll be face to face with him. And it's just so good. Yeah, yeah, that is that. You, you know what? I, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take back what I said earlier. That that. <laughs> It, it, it outstays its welcome because actually it is really good the whole way through. It's it was so funny, and then and then oh my god, and then he's talking about how he figured it out, how he knew, how he learned about it. Yes. Oh my god. And it's this whole big. Thing about uh, he met but, another father drunk at a bar who knew Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, and Ted's just like I'm. I uh, like Ted's just like oh fuck, I've got to like I'm a dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they were just because the one cop says. Completely off the record. And absolutely. So he regales this whole story about how he took the other priest's clothes. And he's like, well, why did you take the his clothes? I don't know. I just wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> and the cop turns around and goes, well, uh, this uh, this all has been on the record and I'm going to use it as evidence against you. <laughs> Like it, what? It's so good. It's, it's uh, underrated. Father Ted. I mean, I, I think it's a bit of a British inter- institution, but it's been forgotten. The the thing I will say about Father Ted is, you can tell that is a British Irish. Like it's it's you can definitely tell where it's from. Outside of yeah accents and location the the speed and the way the story arcs flow it's so, not like a typical american sitcom in my opinion so there's in in the first episode i think what's emblematic of what you're saying the first episode uh, they try and uh, stage like a carnival on the island and there's just like a guy that's like clearly like inbred or something like that, he says that he's got like a a fairground ride, but it's just like a park bench that he's put on some chicken wire. Oh, in the local, and he's like, and he just looks at Ted and he goes, "Don't look, don't fucking look at me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it like where the pacing of like Friends and Fraser and stuff. It it t- packs a very multiple stories into its twenty two minute runtime. This was fifty five minutes, and it told one overarching storyline. Yes, but it could have been broken up into two episodes. But the humor in it is just it's different, and if you're not prepared for it, it can feel so dry. I watched Father yeah. Ted first because I knew it was oh, longer. 
and Crazy. yeah so i watched these last night because your girl's been busy uh and my intention was to watch father ted and go to bed and i didn't i watched all four of these shows back to back to back to back to back um and the beginning of father ted leading up to the department store felt like forever because my brain hadn't been like i hadn't switched my brain into that mindset and then the like after that i was in i was sold it went by so fast yeah yeah like it really is great and and it's worth saying like i don't back the creator because the creator of father ted really sadly has become a voice in the trans debate that is on the wrong side of history. Ah. Uh. That being said, everything that guy created up to the point where he became, uh, and, and it was a slow decline, but like everything he created is an absolute like masterpiece up to the point where he like lost his mind. You can see the, you can actually see the actual moment the creator of Father Ted lost his mind. Really? He he created a, a sitcom called uh, Black Books, which was really good, about a pissed up, drunken bookseller that like just hated everyone. And then he also created a little thing called the IT Crowd, which I know. I've of, heard. Yeah, yeah, lots of Americans like that one. Because uh, what's it? The IT department. They go, uh, IT. What can I do for you? And it's like, have you tried turning it off and on again? Right. But like, it's a shame. Like, I think it's like kind of solid the legacy of that show, and I would feel kind of remiss not to mention it. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, it doesn't sour Father Ted because. It's so removed from where he's at now. Yeah. I just hope that dude's okay because he's almost like ill with how obsessed he is by it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I know for, for me, there's a fair amount of separation, separating, um, separating like the art from the artist and stuff. Um, you know, I, I do that a fair bit with, um, like JK Rowling. Do I consume a lot of Harry Potter content? No, but the points in my life where Harry Potter was so prevalent and meant so much for me, like it, I separate from, you know, and also, and it, like, when they created these things, like, it it wasn't a debate that they right. were even aware of, right? And, right. And that's not to, a, like, be an apologist, but, like, as I say, like, I, I would just feel, like, I wouldn't feel right not mentioning it. Yeah. Well, and I have, you know, uh, there's plenty of people here that I I feel very much the same way about um 
you know, uh, a lot of the makeup that I do own is made by a man who a lot of people don't like, but the man makes damn good makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, I bought a lot of it before, you know, the extent of some of the things that he's done was brought to light. And if people are going, like people have gifted me some of his makeup and I'm like, thank you. The, The company already has my, has the money. I might as well use the product. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, we'll we'll never apologize for that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. But, like, on the the same token, I mean, like, this is, you know, it transcends that, right? And and I'm sorry to bring it into an argument that maybe that we weren't planning on having on this podcast. And Tim, in like but yeah out anyway so it doesn't matter but um like i mean yeah you're right separate the art from the artist like take what you want from things uh father ted has nothing to do with with that right. side of your political spectrum that's nothing right. to do with his he, he wasn't even aware that he existed Right. Uh, what I say is like just don't support this fucking guy now. So the the reason I'm saying this, I guess, is because like uh he's tried to get a Father Ted musical off the ground. Ah uh, not been able to go ahead because of like everything going on. Yeah, yeah. So if people search it, they'll see it. And I I think it's our duty to show a bit of awareness and if you're someone that is not going to be able to watch this. I think it's uh, it's only fair that we give you the choice. Mm-hmm. That being said, I mean, the priest in the department store, just fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So worth it for that. Worth the price of admission. And if you're going to go from this to something else, go to the one where they played the soccer game, because that is fucking... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to uh experiment with more uh Father Ted. Um yeah, and honorable mention there's a, a I realized uh, only today that there is a British uh, sitcom comedy special that I'd probably rate higher than this one and that's the Peep Show. Oh? Uh Christmas special. Have you ever seen Peep Show? No. So I will urge anyone that can hear my voice to what like if you are listening to this, go off and watch the uh well, all of Peep Show. Uh it is a sitcom uh written by Jesse Armstrong, who has gone on to now uh win Emmys, uh in the showrunner for succession. Oh wow, okay. And it I think Peep Show might be the finest comedy of all time. In fact, I would say that. And all right. I, like, to be fair, like, the whole time we've been speaking about this, a little bit of me is lamenting that I didn't suggest that one instead. <laughs> well, and I actually have where I wrote all of my notes at the top of the page. I had started a list of shows that we talked about because we talked about doing more than just these four shows in this episode we talked about doing you know five or six 
and we were going to do um, a classic, but we just kind of ran out of prep time. But I even have like Bob's Burgers written down, and yeah, which you is, know, yeah, and there's definitely like a Simpsons, yeah, in this format. I think like obviously we've done something a little bit different this episode, mm-hmm. and if people like what we're doing here. Like, please let us know. We'll do some more of this because sitcoms, uh, you know, as I said, uh, like maybe several times during this, uh, like such a tent pole of where mm-hmm. we began. You know, oh, yeah. The first episode is pr- called Proud LeBlanc. So, right. Uh, you know, which has felt really nice that, that we got the chance to, like, maybe, like, talk critically a little bit about friends. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, I personally feel like this was a nice, uh, a nice change of pace. Mm. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. In in fact, it's given me some ideas for future episodes. Oh shit! Um, All right. <laughs> so we'll discuss that after. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm gonna go on one more small little tangenty tirade here um uh as i said in the beginning the holidays are not my favorite time of year um they're not the easiest for me they're not my favorite thing um so to our listeners out there who might be in a very similar position to myself um you know hey feel free to come and hang out because I am around and you mm. know, I, I have plenty of things going on every December. I do a charity fundraiser and lo and behold, I'm doing one in December. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, come hang out whether you're with family and having a good time or not, or if you're alone like me, um, you don't have to be alone. Uh, I'm live. Yeah, I'm live on Twitch and YouTube um, a lot. And come hang out and uh, have, hopefully have a good time. Um, Because that's what we, that's what we aim to do. And all of the chaos and, and everything else that goes on. Um, yeah. So that it that was more of a shameless plug than I meant yeah. for it to sound. But uh, it is what it is at this point. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. As as like an like addendum to that. Like if you're thinking about getting in touch with me, please don't. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I'd really like to not hear from you. Um, <laughs> Leave me alone <laughs> during Christmas. I I like I get all my heat from candlelight at this time of year, and and yeah, if you if you want to get in touch, please don't and 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 in fact don't contact me at like ever. <laughs> so with that in mind, here's another edition of the Ginger Toss. <laughs> Um, I want to say thank you to our uh, our patrons, though. Uh, they mm. have been wonderful and gracious, and uh, I appreciate them a lot. I know you do too. 
Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, without you, uh, you know, people that regularly listen, I mean, like, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, thank you for letting us do what we love to do and keep on keeping on. Yeah. Um, hope you guys have a happy holiday of whatever you celebrate, whether it's Christmas, Festivus, or something n- not in any of these sitcoms. Uh, but uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. Have a happy holiday season. Uh, anything else, Druid? I think that's me. All right. Well, we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.